from chapter 1 and verse 1 to 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to free from the Lord. Pleasant day to everyone, and may grace and peace be with you. I just want to take this opportunity to greet those who are joining us online and to us here. I wish you a happy, happy holidays. The title of our sermon today is Life's Purpose. This morning, I want to introduce you to a man whose life story is very similar to yours and mine. He had many struggles. When God clearly told him what he needed to do, rather than obeying, he disobeyed and suffered the terrible consequences. His name is Jonah. And his story is found in Old Testament books named after him. We are all aware that the story of Jonah as recorded in the Bible is a true story of an account that took place in history and one that cannot be disputed. Whenever you mention the story of Jonah, there seems the question, Do you believe this story is literal or figurative? It is fact or fiction? I would answer them by a question. Do you believe Jesus was literally raised from the grave or figuratively? Is the resurrection of Christ fact or fiction? What does the resurrection of Jesus have to do with Jonah? Let's listen to the words of our Lord Jesus. In Matthew chapter 12, in verse 40 to 41, Jesus said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand about the judgment with this generation and condemn it, For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. That's why I believe in a literal Jonah who was swallowed by a literal fish that was swimming in some literal water because Jesus did. The book of Jonah is a small book. It only contains 48 verses, 1,300 words, and can be read in less than 15 minutes. As the story of Jonah unfolds, 
This short story carries a big message. The power of God's word and grace can change the direction of one life as well as many, many lives. When most people think about the book of Jonah, the first thing that comes to mind, a big fish and a place called Nineveh. But did you know that there are only three verses in these four chapters that deal with a big fish? Jonah's story is not primarily about a big fish. It's about his struggles and his disobedience going to this place called Great City of Nineveh. From Israel, it is 550 miles northeast. It's the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. Nineveh was at this time the metropolis of the Assyrian monarchy, an eminent city. Nineveh described in our reading as great city. What made Nineveh great? First, its size. It was a huge city. The city of Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire and was a large and prominent city in its day. Ancient historians say that Nineveh was the largest city in the world at that time. It was the large, important capital of a dominating empire. Surely, an intimidating place to go. Today, Nineveh, the oldest and populous city of the Assyri- ancient Assyrian Empire, situated on the east bank of the Tigris River and encircled by the modern city of Mosul, near modern-day Baghdad, Iraq. What made Nineveh great? Its strength, great in power and dominion, It was the city that for some time ruled over the kings of the earth. Assyria was the world power of the day. They ruled the known world for over 1,700 years. What made Nineveh great? Great in the number of the inhabitants. Great in wealth. There was no end of its store. In Nahum chapter 2 in verse 9 tells us, Plunder the silver, plunder the gold, sorry. The supply is endless. The wealth from all its treasures. What's the problem of this great city? The problem of this great city is its sin. Nineveh was a great city and yet a hidden city. This city is a wicked city. Archaeology confirms biblical witness to the wickedness of the Assyrians. They were well known in ancient world for brutality and cruelty. We could learn about their brutality when you study the book of Habakkuk. To tell you some, they skinned people alive and would hang the skins on the wall. They buried people alive up to their necks and then drove a stick to their tongue. They cut off both legs and one arm so they could shake their hands as they died. Nineveh 
may have been due to its infamous brutality. Let's now dive into the text assigned. In verse 1, in Jonah chapter 1, in verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now let's do some exegesis on these verses. We're not told how the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Perhaps God gave him a vision as he did with Apostle Peter. Perhaps God spoke audibly as he did with Abraham. Or perhaps God spoke to him in a dream like he did with Joseph. Somebody asked, Does God speak personally and clearly to us? We can know that God still speaks to us through the scriptures. To prove that, it's in Hebrews chapter 1 in verse 1 and 2. Tells us, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophet at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The Apostle Paul told how the scriptures bless our lives. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, all scriptures is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Moving on, in verse 2, what was Jonah called to do? What does God's word tell him to do? In the King James Version, in verse 2, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could get a message from God with his instruction? The honor God put upon Jonah in giving him a commission to go and preach against Nineveh. His mission to rebuke them for their sin and call them to repentance. To proclaim the judgment of the Lord because their wickedness has come up before him. That is, it has come to a high degree, to the highest pitch. The measure of it is full to the brim. Therefore, Jonah must cry against it. We learn from this text that we should know that none of man's wickedness is hidden before God. He saw it all, and it may come to a point when it demands the specific warning and judgment of God. These opening words of the book of Jonah remind us of the closing words of the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Here Jesus commissions his disciples of all the nations before he ascends to heaven. In the story of Jonah, the commission was given by God to one man. For the great commission was given by God's son Jesus to the disciples, to the pillar of the church. Every one of us who belong to the body of Christ are called to fulfill this commission while we sojourn here on earth. We're not supposed to do it out of compulsion or for personal gain, but out of passion to see lives transformed by the love and power of God. In addition, the commission to Jonah was concerning a time several centuries ago, concerning one great city called Nineveh, whereas the Great Commission was given to the church concerning people across the globe, beginning with those who live at the time and right until the Lord's return. The next point is, in verse 2, it says there in its first, first part, Arise, go to Nineveh. Now, when we hear these words in the Bible that God's words comes to Jonah, we expect something following. We expect either a message the prophet of God is to carry or fulfill his assignment as to where he is to go. Arise, go, in the Hebrew, it's double imperative. It points to an urgent call. Arise, go, no doubt are meant to elicit a prompt response. God clearly told Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh, but what we don't expect is that the word, the word, but in verse 3 and what follows. Jonah, it says, rose to flee. Jonah didn't just arise. He arose to flee. The word flee gives us impression of a movement that's faster than walking. I'll tell you what this like. Imagine one of weddings. The minister wrap up his message, turn to the bride and ask her, Do you take this man to be your husband? And she doesn't even shout no. She runs out. That's what this is like. But far worse, Jonah skips town. He flees from his assignment. He didn't want to do what God told him to do. Several reasons for this have been suggested. Most likely because he was terrified. This probably was going to be a suicide mission. Jonah had every reason to expect that at the very least he would be mocked and treated as a fool. He might be attacked and killed if he did what the Lord told him to do. This is like, imagine an orthodox Jewish rabbi setting up on a little corner in Berlin in 1941. How long do you think his preaching would have lasted? But there was another reason. He simply didn't want the Ninevites to receive mercy. He knew how brutal they were. He wanted them to fry. 
But he knew that God was a God of mercy and he didn't want any part of a Ninevites revival. He didn't want the Assyrians in Nineveh to escape God's judgment. In fact, the main reason Jonah ran was that he knew that if they heard the message that they would repent and that God would forgive them. He wanted God to destroy them. In Jonah chapter 4, two verse, verse 2 tells us, So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. In the story of Jonah, God asked him to proclaim a message of judgment to the city of Nineveh as their evil deeds that had come up before him. In the Great Commission, the church is commissioned to make disciples of all nations, which includes faith, repentance, baptism, and the finished work of Christ in our behalf. It's an invitation to accept the gift of salvation which is free for us. Though it cost Jesus his very life. Our message, though an invitation, also contains a warning to both those who reject the gospel and to those who don't live out their faith on a daily basis. In John chapter 12 in verse 48 tells us, There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last days. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 to 8, Apostle Paul said, Apostle Paul wrote, And give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. The next point in our exegesis is in verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and heeded for Tarshish. Tarshish, what is significant about that city? Tarshish is likely on the west coast of the Mediterranean in what is now modern-day Spain. Jonah is in Israel. Now, if I have a map and showed you all three of these places, something would strike you. You would see Nineveh on the right to the east, Tarshish on the left to the west, with Israel right in the middle. What does this mean? Jonah, when called to Nineveh, does everything he can to do the exact opposite. God called him to go east, and he deliberately goes west. What this looked like. Imagine a Jewish man in New York during World War II, hearing God say, I'm going to bring terrible judgment to Germany. I want you to go to Berlin and tell Nazi Germany to repent. Instead of doing it, the man heads for San Francisco and then hops on a boat, for Hong Kong. Now, 
Although we have difficulty nailing down precisely where Tarshish is, it's no doubt a literal historical place. But as a rabbi Sheldon Blank says, it represents something bigger. He writes, what is Tarshish? In the story, it is anywhere, anywhere but the right place. It is the opposite direction, the direction a person takes when he turns his back on his destiny. It is the excuses we give, our rationalization. Wherever the place was, one thing evident, it was not the place the Lord was sending Jonah. What's our Tarshish? Is it geographical location? Is it profession? Is it skills? Is it ambition? Whatever it is, one thing is clear. It's not where the Lord commissioned us to go. The Lord asked us to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations. But the question is, where are we going and why? Tarshish in our lives are the people and places that help us fulfill God's call. Or are our Tarshish point cities, people, our jobs, our priorities, etc. that serve as stepping stones to get us as far away from the Lord's will for our lives as possible. When Tarshish was Jonah's goal, all he needed was the transportation to get him there and find it. He did. Have we found the vehicle that would help us to accomplish the Lord's call? Or are we searching for one to get as far away from it as possible? And like Jonah, we're running in the wrong direction. Rather than headed toward Nineveh in obedience to God's word and will, we're headed to Tarshish in disobedience to God's word and will. Which direction are we headed? Nineveh or Tarshish? Obedience or disobedience? Jonah wanted to go as far as he could to escape God's presence. But this was a futile attempt in this story. The thought of fleeing from the presence of the Lord seems absurd to one who knows that God is omnipresent. Is it possible to flee from God? Is it dangerous proposition? Did Jonah not know that fact about God? Or did he think that the place he was headed to was one that God would not want to be present in for some reason? In Psalms 139 verse 7 to 12 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the deeps, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I sit along the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Many servants of the Lord throughout history have mistakenly thought that they could get away from the Lord and escape the consequences of his actions by changing their locations. However, this text teaches us 
that that is not possible. In this story, but whatever Jonah's understanding of God was, he set out on his journey of fleeing from the presence of the Lord. So he paid the fare. He was willing to pay whatever it was to get him there. Let's pause for a moment and think of this. Are we doing all we can to let the Lord use us to fulfill his purpose for creating, calling, choosing us namely to reach and disciple the world? Or are we paying our way, a way to move as far away from it as possible? The next point is in verse 3. In the King James Version it says, And went down to Joppa, and he found the ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it. Jonah just didn't just board the ship, but he actually seemed to have picked his spot on the ship, down into it. Jonah was smart in that. He knew which was the most stable part of the ship. Many of us in the church of today have taken rather the comfortable seat on our journey through life, one that's non-controversial, more and more inclusive of ungodly lifestyle, less and less firm in our stand for godly values, and living and we're sailing along in the ocean of life. What a comfortable place to be when we blend in with others. To the extent that they don't see the difference between our life's purpose and theirs. Our values and priorities and theirs. All were in the same boat, but not all were headed to the same destination. In a sense, while the crew and the other passengers were headed to Tarshish, Jonah was headed elsewhere away from the presence of the Lord. Have we gone down to a comfortable place so we can enjoy the journey with none but ourselves in mind? Or are we busy with the work of the Lord, namely saving those who are sailing aimlessly in life? God gave Jonah a purpose for that particular period in his life. And that was to be his mouthpiece to the people of Nineveh. It was a very clear purpose. And there was no doubt in Jonah's mind that this was a God-ordained purpose for his life. If each of us in the church are to ponder the purpose of our lives, very often we'll find ourselves drawing up a blank. Because many of us haven't taken the time to discover our purpose in life yet. But in the Great Commission, the purpose of the church was spelled out clearly. Spelled out in clear terms. The Lord has given every one of us in the church a lifelong purpose. One that encompasses all areas of our lives including our time, money, and energy. We are called to carry the gospel message wherever we go and into every sphere of society. We are called to be witnesses to the world of Jesus' saving grace. 
In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, Ye shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But we need to be aware that this message needs to be shared in love and not with an attitude of accusations or condemnation. So to put our life's purpose in perspective, we can say that each of us in the church have been called to take the gospel to the world, beginning right where we are in our circles of influence. Let's reflect in these questions. Are we fulfilling our life's purpose? Or are we sailing aimlessly? If we are fulfilling our life's purpose by lovingly serving the Lord wherever he has placed us, then let's continue full steam ahead. But if the answer is either no or not sure, then it's time to pray and ask the Lord for a fresh revelation of himself so we can embark on this journey of both knowing him and making him known to the world around. I hope and pray that we are blessed by this series of lessons in evangelism in a way that transforms the way we live out and share the gospel with the world around us. Have a wonderful day and again happy, happy Holidays.